Good morning, everyone. Our first reading, um, Ecclesiastes, Sirach, um, the author is trying to put forth a reality, a truth for us. And uh, he certainly is saying that God has given us the freedom to choose, choose to do good or to choose to do wicked. The consequences of that decision uh, will be life or will be death. And furthermore, when we study it a little bit more and go into it, what he's putting forth is God does not make you sin. He does not cause you to sin, so don't blame him for that. Also, he will not make you do good. That is what the author is putting forth for us. But he's putting the fact that it is on your heart, every human person, the thumbprint of God is on their heart, and they know what is expected, what to do. And he wants you to do this, but he will not make you. So he ties what we understand as human free will to responsibility. There's a responsibility for us. And uh, uh, St. Paul is talking about the wisdom that comes from God and the wisdom of the world, and that sometimes they may be in conflict. And when it comes down to it, it is the wisdom of God and not of governments that we are to follow. And I'll get a little more deeper into that. My friends, for the past two weeks, we've been looking at Jesus as spending an afternoon on a mountain. And he is talking to them, the Sermon of the Mount. He's giving a homily. And homilists, they preach about things that are dearest to their hearts. So I've been putting forth for you to, for two weeks that Jesus has been talking to us about his values. He makes value statements in the Beatitudes. And it continues today in the same way. And uh, he is telling us something. And um, the gospel reading is very challenging. And last week, um, I attempted to explain what he meant by you are salt of the earth and light of the world. So today now, I have to take another of one of his statements and try and open it for you. He says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven, period. Harsh. So we need to take a look at this and see what is he talking about? What does he mean? Prior to the statement, he said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law. And he warns, you will have to follow every letter of it. And anyone who teaches different will have to stand in judgment. So putting these together, I'm like, Jesus is talking to us about something. He's going to show us a better way. He's going to show us and help us understand the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, what Moses had put forth. And my friends, so um, what does righteousness mean? In this sense, righteousness is talking about a relationship with God. And it could possibly mean the idea of justice, but I believe because these are value statements, he's going to talk. How do I know this? That in the Ten Commandments, the first three of them refer to your relationship with God. Go and look them up. The first three commandments are about you and God directly. The other seven are about you and the person sitting next to you, the other people. All right, so now I understand. This is about relationships. So when I look at that, he's saying, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and scribes, 
of his time and of ours. You're not getting into heaven. So there's ways to look. I can tell you what, what the surpassing righteousness is, or I can pose it in the negative and tell you what it is not. So um, let's start like that. Well, I, people will say, well, Father, I do not murder people, and I do not commit adultery, and I do not perjure myself often. <laughs> My response is, most people on this earth do not murder, and most people do not commit adultery, and most people do not perjure themselves often. That doesn't sound like it's very surpassing, is it, in righteousness, in your relationship to God. So the Lord here is teaching us that this righteousness that he speaks of is a deeper, deeper thing to go to. So Jesus is now taking authority. He is a rabbi, and they understand him as rabbi right now. So rabbis speak in a different way, and this is why some of the verbiage that we hear in this gospel is kind of rough, because he's trying to get your attention, and hopefully he did. And he did it on that afternoon. And he's posing it as the way a rabbi would talk. You have heard it said, but I tell you. It's a qualifying thing. He is not dismissing the commandments. He's not even in conflict with them. He's saying, I'm going to show you the better way to understand. You have heard it said, you shall not commit murder. But I say, and he goes on, and this is my interpretation of his words, avoid senseless anger and abusive words and hostility towards others. My friends, one can destroy people in more subtle ways than to murder them. One can destroy people through hatred and slander and gossip. One can destroy a person by insults and malicious words about their character. Whether, that char whether their character in question is true or false, there is a way to go about it. You can present it in a charitable way to them. But you don't have to be vicious. And today I point out Twitter. I think, is there anything that you can tweet that is good? I don't have a social media presence. And I think about TikTok. Is there anything good on TikTok? Does it put forth anything? Or, and I don't even want to get started with Facebook. I've seen nothing that is nice. You see what I mean? But, and it's so vicious that it has led to people committing suicide. You see what I'm saying? There's other ways besides... Maybe this is not stabbing them in the heart with a knife, but you are certainly stabbing that person in the back with malicious words. Surpassing righteousness happens when you respect the dignity of all human people. When you do not engage in insults and ridicule that is so pervasive in our times. The one who respects the person, even if they disagree, even if they cannot come to a mutual understanding about something, but you show respect, that is surpassing righteousness. This is what I believe Jesus is getting at. Jesus said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say, Jesus said, I believe what he was putting forth was avoid infidelity 
of your heart. For example, the fantasizing and the entertaining of such things on the internet, and I do not need to tell you what that is, or even the children know what I'm talking about right now. Those things and places you should not be on the internet. These things cause a disengagement from the life of the family, and it destroys family life, and it separates people and divides people of the same household. It is a disease almost. So my friends, when I look at it, legally they are married, but emotionally and spiritually they have divorced themselves from their family members. Surpassing righteousness is the one who remains committed to their fidelity and nourishes their family life, not just in generalities, but to the very foundations of family life. They do not let anything get in the way of their family life. Whatever the cost, that is what is needed for family life. In a culture where family life is often easily neglected or devalued, the one who then upholds it is the one that I would apply what Jesus said, surpassing righteousness, the greater relationship. Jesus said, you have heard it said to your ancestors, do not take false oaths. In other words, avoid the need to swear at all. Later in the Gospels, before another time, Jesus will say, if you do this, and I think he's talking about some minor promises, fulfill them. Do not be a hypocrite. Fulfill them. But here he is saying, don't do anything that you even have to swear by. Our words should be clear and dependable in and out of court because he presents it in a court case. Avoid words loaded with deceptions and half-truths, or as it's commonly known today, false truths. In a world where people's conversation and speeches become a game of sorts so that you do not even know what people are saying, even though you hear the word, you don't know what they mean. Of late, I watch the news, and I think, what is that anchor man? I, don't, I know the word he's using, but I don't understand what he's saying. I shut off the TV, and I think, ah, I, don't, I have no idea what he's talking about, or she, for that matter. And you have to kind of decipher, is that a truthful thing? Are they being dramatic for ratings? What is it? And that happens in just normal conversations with people now. Be people of truth whose yes is yes and whose no means no. The persons whose word is dependable and reliable, that one has the one who has surpassing righteousness. My friends, I believe our Lord is talking about these inner attitudes. He's talking, he'll go into more depth later about what is in the human heart and it precedes the actions. Another way we would understand it is do the right thing for the right reason. So my friends, um, and this one's, this is a hard thing. This is the thing I was going to cut out of my homily because I wanted to be clear about this. When I look at the news and I hear about the violence in our streets and our neighborhoods and our cities, the real measure of violence in our neighborhoods is not found in the way, um, is found in the way that people continue to disrespect each other and to speak so horribly to each other. 
and to put people down and to despise and to hold grudges and to seek vengeance against them. So that when it comes to the taking of actual human life, it is just a natural step in a process that is already filled with hate. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? It begins here and eventually reaches out. And this is what Jesus is getting at. The measure of the breakdown of family life is not so much understood in the number of divorces. Every year it changes. Do you know that it's up to 65% now? 65% of marriages will end in divorce. That is shocking. But we need to not just focus on that number, but what is the cause of it? It comes from lack of true commitment and responsibility in, in familial relationships with each other. The degree of falsehood in society is not measured by lawsuits. Our, particularly in the United States, everything is litigated now. You can't say anything without somebody threatening you with a lawsuit. And the falsehood that happens in our society shouldn't be measured by just the number of lawsuits, but to go deeper, what is the real cause of these? The lies and deceptions and the half-truth so pervasive and accepted as normal now. That's just a normal thing to do. No, it's not. And my friends, people say, well, everybody does it. Well, as I've been telling you for two weeks, you do not have to be like everybody. As a matter of fact, I'm putting forward to you that Christians are to be different we are supposed to be different. We are supposed to be light. We are supposed to be salt. You have a choice. That is what the first reading was getting at. Choose. The Lord is teaching us that our Christian identity is not defined only by what you do not do. I do not murder. I do not lie. I do not. But also by what we do. And my friends, we always have to have the chance to re-examine the choices we are making because they are defining our lives and shaping them and moving them in a particular direction. We need to look at the fidelities that we have. They shape our lives and continue to shape it. We need to ask ourselves, are we following the teachings of Jesus or are you following the wisdom of the world? Do your decisions and your life, do they encompass his values? This is what I've been getting at now for two weeks. Do they lend us to be the salt of the earth and light of the world? Each Sunday, it is a call to remodel our lives into places of surpassing righteousness, to, into instruments of salt and light for the world. And my friends, I understand realistically we can only do so much about the world around us. But, and I sincerely mean this, we can do a lot about the world that is inside of us. This is what Jesus is talking about, your heart. You can do something about that. And when you do something about that, using his premises, that will eventually reach out of you. Then you will influence the world around you. Then it's a little bit easier to understand. And my friends... Um, in this world, we are governed by two venues of laws. There is the civil laws of the world, of our country, and there is the moral law given to us by God. 
Most times they are in harmony. However, sometimes they are in serious conflict. And when this conflict occurs, Christians must follow the higher moral law. And in doing this, you must be prepared to accept the consequences that will come from it. Because there are consequences. There's consequences to everything. Sometimes those consequences are neutral. Sometimes they have negative things. And sometimes they have positive things. I was joking. I thought if I eat pancakes this morning, the consequences of that decision is I'm going to need to get on the treadmill. <laughs> Jesus is looking, and Jesus is not in conflict. He, he doesn't have a... He doesn't have a problem with the commandments. He has a problem with how they were being understood and applied. He was applying a quality above, and he was saying, I expect my followers to do better, to understand more, and not to accept it as just mechanicalism. My friends, if you do this, if you only see it as I'm mechanically doing this, that's what the Pharisees and scribes did, what you, ha you haven't encountered God you haven't encountered the Father. You do not know Jesus. What you know is his institution. You've come to know his institute, but you haven't come to know him. And I only put forth all the things that are happening, all the vicious words and all this. If you've experienced Christ and his love, you will not do this. A lot of Christians got to move from just an institution or just the religion if I just followed this A, B, and C. No, 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 no. <laughs> Go into your the right relationship must surpass that of the Pharisees and scribes. The Pharisees and scribes didn't really understand God. I don't know that they really loved him. They just had a recipe. Here it is. I'm going to put in the egg and I'll put it in there, push it aside, bake it, and I can go off and do whatever I want. Jesus is saying, no, that's not how it works. And he did something more. He took those laws and he said, Now I will tell you, there are two. Someone asked him, What is the greatest commandment? And he said, Two. There's two. And they were always there. One was in Leviticus, Leviticus one was in Deuteronomy. And the religious people of their time, the leaders, the Pharisees and scribes, could not connect them. They did not see them. He said, Love God and love others. And he connected them, and it cannot be unconnected. So this is what he's saying. If you hate people and do hateful things to them, you will never be able to worship my Father as he deserves to be worshipped. Christians have got to get this in their head and hearts. You will not be able to love him completely because the hatred blocks it. And my friends, I know I'm going to get emails about this, but I'm going there. Love. People say, love is love, love is love. No, 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 no. No, 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 love is not love. No. There are hierarchies of love. The way I love chocolate chip cookies is not the way I love my sister. And the way I know, right? You can't get it. And the way I love my sister is not the way that I love my pet dog, if I had one. And the way I love my siblings is not the way my mother and father loved us as their children. And the way they loved us as children is not the way that a husband and wife love each other. Are you getting the picture? There are hierarchies of this. They are different. 
If they weren't, it would be really weird. (laughs) This brings me to what Jesus was talking about. Jesus is using the word love, the highest one of them all in Latin and Greek is agape, and in Hebrew, it was even stronger, called chesed. That type of love is the greatest one, and it is devoid of racism and discrimination and hatred. This is the kind of love that you would lay down your life even for someone you do not know. That is the highest form of love. And that is the one he is talking about. You will love God this way, and you will love others. And then he proved it. We've got to come. This is a coming to Jesus thing. We've got to find ourselves there. If we don't, the surpassing righteousness, your relationship, not only with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but to each other, is always going to disappoint. Disappoint. 